Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Seven Innings Podcast. It's that time of year for the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Beth, is that your sexy voice? Why do I feel like you're just like super sexy today? You know, Holly Rowe, this is my sexy voice. It's a real Beth Owens, I think. Welcome. But it's early in the morning. Not time for the sexy voice just yet. We got to talk softball. And uh, we got a lot of our uh, friends with us. I'm Beth Mullins. You've already heard from Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarmer, uh, Scarborough, Jonathan McDonald, Buzz Lightyear. He's uh, actually changed his last name for us this year for the podcast. <laughs> our uh, producers behind the scene. And uh, we've got a great lineup. Our coverage will begin Thursday morning. So you got e- e- E3, the SEC Network, the ACC Network, Everything will be available on your ESPN app. That will start at 9.30, what we call digital and some of our other networks. And then our linear, which would be our our main uh, channels, coverage begins Thursday, 1 o'clock on ESPNU with Kansas, Missouri. And then 4 o'clock ESPN2 with Washington, Alabama. Uh, we've already seen sunsets. We've already shared some lovely fellowship with our softball family. It's time to dive in, ladies. We got we got a great weekend. So I would like to just start by this is the time to teach people how to use their multicast function on their Apple TV. Oh. Because if you'll go to the multicast function, you can choose up to four softball games, anything that's streaming on ACC, SEC, ESPN Plus, and put those in four different screens. So take a minute, figure it out. Mm-hmm. You can have four games going on at the same time on your television for four days this weekend thursday through sunday so that's like 16 games yeah just get on it i'm excited i'll be working and watching only one game unfortunately but (laughs) i'm gonna i wonder i wonder if i can tivo in that mode wow we we've got a lot of sponsorship opportunities available i think from our friends in silicon valley if anyone wants to join the seven innings podcast family that would be spectacular spectacular Um, thank you holly rowe (laughs) we've got uh four Former national champs with us this week. We've got five teams that were at the Women's College World Series a year ago, including the national champs, UCLA. Um, and we have all 40 games for you Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, it, it hits its a denouement, if you will. Prime time Sunday night on ESPN2, 7 o'clock with UCLA and Florida State. If memory serves me, that would be our last two national champions. So um, we got teams coming in here hot. We got teams, uh, Smitty, coming in here not. <laughs> Limping along. Hmm, I wonder who we're talking about. Roll Tide or Rolled Tide? <laughs> That's number two on the lineup card, which, by the way, you can get on your, on your Twitter and your gram. What do we need to see this weekend? Well, you know, one of the things I'm excited about, obviously, the teams, 16 of the top teams in the country coming up. Um, but think about the individual players. 17 of the top 50 on the USA Softball Player of the Year watch list will be playing in this tournament. So you're going to see amazing teams. You're going to see incredible stars. And that's what I'm excited about. UCLA has four. UW, as well as Bama, three Player of the Year watch list on their team. Um, JMU having their first games of the year, two. Odyssey Alexander is a, is a great name to watch for them pitcher hitter. So I'm just excited to see the athletes step out on the field and I'm excited to see the fans roll into this park, excited to see collegiate softball at its best. 
Well, and these teams want it. Last year, it felt like a mini Women's College World Series or a Women's College World Series in February. So these teams, a lot of them either probably watched last year's tournament or were competing in it. So they get so excited to be able to come here and show what they've got in front of all these fans that you're mentioning and in front of national TV audiences. And I think about the, the opportunity that some of these teams have to turn their season around in the second weekend, like Alabama went one and three last weekend. Won't get too much into them, but also like a Minnesota women's college world series yeah. for the first time last year. And I saw them play last weekend here actually. And they look just a little dead, no energy surprisingly after the year that they had last year. Um, and then also I want you to think about how Minnesota, Missouri, and Liberty were all here at these same fields just last weekend. Like they were all just yeah. here competing. So their travel going back and forth to go from Minnesota all the way back down to Florida has been crazy. Um, and then Washington has been here Stay. since yeah. they've stayed here. And, and Liberty has as well. I was talking with Dot Richardson. So, and that was the NFCA leadoff classic. That was always in our sport, one of the biggest mm-hmm. events of of the year to start off the, the collegiate tournament uh, season. So those two events back to back in the same location is actually really good for the sport of softball and for these teams that can come in and stay, do all their classwork remotely. But think about it, less wear and tear. Although, like you said, Minnesota, some teams flying back and forth, it does make a difference. So it's it'd be interesting. Can I ask you a question? I'm always curious because we used to go out to the Mary Nutter Classic and watch games early in the season. And coaches are not always pitching their best pitchers, or they're not always, you know, they're kind of easing into the season. What is the approach of coaches for how they're going to attack these games um, so that we're not all reading too much into these upsets or wins or, you know, how do we view these games? I view it that they're, they're in and they're going. How They're testing the waters with their freshmen or their younger ball players, trying to not just throw them into the fire. But to me, you know, the season, everybody looks at everything, and we hear it from the selection committee, is that compelling wins, really bad losses, all those things. What happens this weekend can affect where you go for regionals. It's, it's big, and I think these college, uh, college coaches understand that. And, and full disclosure, too, as a TV partner, um, obviously – Coaches make the decisions, and they want to see a lot of their younger players. They want to see how some of their older players are returning. We do encourage teams, when they're on national television, to for the good of the game, for the growth of the game, yeah. gosh, we'd really love to see you throw your ace, at least in one of these big games. And, and, and it, I think we saw that last year. I, I still remember when this tournament started a year ago, how will Florida State come back from winning a national championship? Are they going to uh, take it easy? Are they going to be on cruise control? And they came in here and Megan King and company blasted everybody. And that was a huge story out of the first weekend. Okay, the defending champs are going to go. They're going to play. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be awfully good again. And, and the title will probably have to go through them at some point. So that's kind of the relationship. Fans, television, uh, coaches, players, when we talk about um, growing the game and getting more and more games on television. We love to see the best players play. But it's so hard to not to sprint out of the gates and yeah. realize that because even though there's so much hype around this tournament, it is just the second week and we have a long way to go. 60 games, 50 plus games that these teams are going to play. So it's so hard not to throw Foramo for five games or Pfizer yeah. for five games, but you have to be able to spread it out, get other players experience while also resting a little bit and, and 
so to speak, resting your ace so that they're ready to go in June and May when it really matters. Because you're trying to grow your team right now, yeah. right? This is the this is the time to work on the things and work on the pieces that you want to be great later. Um, but I do have a very important update that I think might be the most important thing of the St. Pete Elite Clearwater Invitational. Did I say it right? I'm, I'm working on it. Clearwater. Oh, I got this. Okay, I'm going to get it by the end of the week. So, SPCBI. You know, last year was our first year. There were some growing pains because we, I don't think we expected the, the crazy amount of fans that came. Mm-hmm. There are more bathrooms this year. So I just wanted everyone to know <laughs> if that's a concern. Number one, more bathrooms are bringing in nice executive bathrooms and more food and a beer garden. Beer garden. So yeah. I think that, you know, this, this is the place to be if you're anyone who's anyone in softball more it's in awesome. the world. Holly wrote, we are so simpatico. You took away my finish. Two words, more bathrooms. Two more words, beer garden. (laughs) Actually, probably beer garden should come before more bathrooms. bathrooms, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just some highlights. Again, we got all 40 games for you. Um, Take your ESPN app. Uh, Holly's talking about the Apple TV. You can watch them all at once. Uh, Four o'clock on Thursday, Washington, Alabama. Friday afternoon, Washington, Florida State, and Alabama, UCLA, Sunday night primetime, UCLA, Florida State. The former national champs all going head-to-head against each other at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitation. You're saying that so casually. These are top 10 matchups. Yes. Yeah. Second weekend of college softball. Top 10 matchups. All of them. So now America has heard my regular voice, my casual voice, and my sexy Oh, <laughs> uh, now that they've changed the channel, let's move on to number two in our lineup card. By the way, we got uh, updates for you on, on the unranked and unforgiving. We're going to relish the moment. Miranda Ellis will hear from Bev Smith. South Carolina is playing this weekend. And of course, we'll shag some stats and sprinkle some infield. But let's go to number two, rolled tide. It was a rough start for Alabama. Uh, they have already been ousted from the top spot in the poll. The Pac-12 moving on up. Washington, UCLA, and Arizona all blasting away. The new number one team, uh, the Huskies, they've been in the semifinals, national semifinals, in each of the last three years. So they bounce Bama. Alabama adds a new player this week. Will they also come in here with a little different attitude and a little different result? So I am actually, not to name drop, but I am texting with Patrick Murphy this very second. And, you know, I wanted to get his perspective on what was their takeaway from the weekend, because I think maybe they are a little rattled from the outside looking in. But it's errors. He said, we just had errors. The, The bright glass half full is they were up in these games. They had great momentum going on. And he said, as he looked back on this tournament, they easily could have been three and one instead of one and three easily. And it was errors at the wrong moment. Maybe some nerves or maybe, you know, just getting used to game speed. You've been practicing and just getting used to game speed. So I think that was his number one takeaway. Um, and, and he's like, that happens when you play good teams that are very motivated. So we've just got to get better. So I don't think they any in any way think the sky is falling at Alabama. Well, and as an analyst, I'm always dissecting a scorecard or a stat sheet. And so the second I look at a one and three record, what happened? The wheels fell off. You're right. Nine errors, five errors against them. That's typically the opposite. They normally induce the errors because they have the speed. Mm-hmm. They spin their opponents in fields and they induce that. The other thing that when you look at their pitching, they gave up five home runs. Um, they only hit one home run. Uh, and then their base on ball to strikeout ratio. Typically, we want that to be about a 70 to 30 ratio. 
And they're not even close to that. Montana Fouts and company who did so good last year. Remember that incredible win streak? There were 30-something games before they did 33-0, and right? CC record. Right? One and three in their first weekend. Well, they're based on ball to strikeout ratio. They had 25 strikeouts. They gave up 19 walks. When you look at those two things, they got to – they got to eliminate the free passes. You know, they, they, they blew a couple of big leads and then got run ruled by Florida State. They do add a new freshman, Abby Doerr, who is a catcher. Um, so I think that's a position we keep an eye on. Did that, uh, you know, will that settle down the pitching staff? Are they uh, just needed some time to get used to Bailey Hemphill back behind the dish? Had been playing first base and DPing most of the time. Um, a year ago without Reagan Dyke. So I, I will, we'll keep an eye on that as well moving forward. And we're talking about their defense, but when looking at the box scores, at times there was only one player playing in the same position that started there. It was an everyday starter there last year, Alyssa Brown playing center field. Their outfield was shifting around. Their infield clearly shifting around with the injury to Claire Jenkins, who's not playing shortstop. So Skylar Wallace has to move from second to short. Alexis Mack, who didn't play last year, is not coming to the infield. So Maddie Morgan, I don't see her in the box score. She was their third baseman last year. So their infield was really shaken up this uh, past weekend. And not to mention their pitchers just didn't do what we thought that they were going to do. So just defensively all around, they scored 20 runs, but defensively they didn't have any shutdown games and their ERA as a team was over six for the weekend. And oh, by the way, welcome to St. Pete Clearwater. Now go out and play the new number one, the Washington Huskies. (laughs) They they will see them on ESPN two Thursday at four o'clock, a a terrific start for Washington. Uh, We, uh, you know, unveiled our all America preseason team. They had three players on that team. They all started out well and Gabby Plain and Sis Bates, and, and Morgan Flores, uh, they are adjusted to uh, the East Coast and to playing in Florida as they've been here now for a couple of weeks. What do we like about what we saw from uh, Washington as well as UCLA, our first look at them without Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols, who are with the national team, and then Arizona bashing 10 home runs uh, out in their desert debut? So I thought Washington got off to a great start. I think it is important early in the season to realize that everybody's playing different levels of competition. So Washington, um, they they beat Georgia Tech, Ohio, UAB, and Furman, but they played well. And Sis Bates um, had a walk-off in an 8-7 win over UFAB. I thought that was good. Plain gave up four earned runs to Georgia Tech in the first meeting, but she rebounded. Um, Heather Tarr told us something just incredible. So Gabby Plain was over in Australia trying to make their national team and having to show up for their Olympic event so that they know she wants to be in the pool to make the Olympics. And she's pitching over in 115-degree heat in Australia a week ago. Mm-hmm. And and now she comes here and she's pitching in cold weather. And At just Georgia Tech. The, yeah. the crazy change on her body and on her arm and all the travel. So Gabby Plain, I love that she did give up some runs early but rebounded and, and is figuring it out. What a week she had. Mm-hmm. A whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, she was just literally all over the world, not just all over the country like she was this past week, but all over the world. What stuck out to me about UCLA is just their new lineup, their new looking offense. And when you look at their lineup, a lot of new faces, but also a lot of lefties. They have mm-hmm. lefties with power. They have lefties with speed like Kelly Gooden. So they have a completely different looking offense and they showed up. Maya Brady, the freshman, four home runs coming from the left-hand side. They have a completely different look, but they really came out with a bang of like, hey, we won the national championship last year and don't sleep on us just because we don't have Bubba and Rachel Garcia. We're here to play. Can they keep that going against better competition this weekend and also the following weekend as well? I think Aaliyah Jordan hit over 500. Like she's going to be someone coming back. She was kind of hampered by that elbow for the last year and a half. So 
thought she was special. Yep, she had a, a terrific week. For, and in terms of Arizona, we're going to be watching Jesse Harper all year long. She hit two home runs. Uh, Alyssa Palomino Cardoza, uh, henceforth known as APC, um, hit three, hit three home runs. So that they, they showed a power display and, and showed, I think that that is just going to be a fabulous race out in the Pac 12. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll reserve judgment on Oregon, but you gotta like the way the Ducks started out. A lot of new additions, especially to their pitching staff. Uh, we talked about how impressive Florida State uh, has started, uh, once again with the uh, two wins over Alabama. And then, you know, the Missouri Tigers are going to be a, a story all year long. Um, you know, they, they're going to just be thumbing their nose at the NCAA as much as they can. And wouldn't that be a heck of a story? Unable to play in the SEC tournament or the postseason because of sanctions uh, if they can put together a, a real special season under Larissa Anderson. So um, that, that's uh, number two on our, on our uh, lineup card. And that will roll us nicely into number three, which is unranked and unforgiving. The other thing we love about this time of year is the opportunity for, you know, everybody to play against ranked opponents and uh, kind of clip them and, and catch them and, and show that you're quite capable. Uh, Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarborough with you on the Seven Innings podcast. We got Carolina beating Alabama, Missouri over Minnesota, North Texas with the shocker over Louisiana, Utah, uh, beating Northwestern, and a, a lot of teams uh, got the best of Ole Miss this weekend, but one of note is Liberty, who is uh, playing here in Clearwater and also taking a shot at Team USA while they're here. So this time of year, it's great to see what, what teams are made of when when they get that opportunity against a ranked opponent to take them down. Well, it's like uh, Aretha says, R-E-S-B-E-C-T. Oh, it is oh you did not. Oh, yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. It, it comes down to the parody in our sport. I love the fact that even though you may not be ranked in the top 25, there are so many great teams out there that are like, hey, you know what? We can do this. We can make regionals. We can make super regionals. We can go to the Women's College World Series. And, and that's what I love is the mentality of a lot of these teams. And that rolls me right into Larissa Anderson and, and Mizzou. I love her mindset. I love the way she has just taken that team and pulled them up, the energy, the effort, the fire mm-hmm. that they are playing with every single game. She has said every game is our postseason game, and they're going out, and, and they're showing it. They were impressive last week at the NFCA leadoff classic. Yeah, they played so well, and I love being able to hear her post-game speeches to her team where you're, what you're talking about, Michelle, that fire, that relentlessness is in every single word that she's telling her athletes in the dugout, after the games, at practice, and she's getting them to play. So a lot of respect to Larissa Anderson. One of the upsets that sticks out to me is, I'll be a, st- a homer for the state of Texas, is North Texas beating Louisiana. Mm-hmm. This is the second year in a row that North Texas has beat Louisiana in the pre- or in the what are we calling these pre-conference games? in the pre-conference mm-hmm. games uh, where Louisiana just had six losses last year. And one of them was to North Texas. They have a second year head coach of Rodney DeLong, who last year got conference USA coach of the year. And also UNT won the conference USA regular season. So UNT is a team to watch out for that plays really, really hard. And at any given moment, when they go up against a ranked team, they are ready. And I think that Rodney DeLong has a lot to do with that. I also wanted to give a shout out to UNC Greensboro because yes. uh, Beth and I went to South Carolina to watch a game and the game in front of us was going 10 innings. And so I wanted wow. to shout out uh, Janelle Brenneman from UNC Greensboro on Sunday 
in a double header, they took Ohio State and South Carolina to extra innings. So good for them. Wow. They were playing hard, and um, it was really fun to see them in action. They really competed. Yeah. So we, we have teams that made some statements. Um, you know, we, we've mentioned a few of them. Of course, Texas with the six run rule wins to open things out. A couple of other teams that stumbled. We, we mentioned Minnesota, Northwestern uh, cold out of the gate, Ole Miss winless, and South Florida winless. So we'll get a chance to see how USF responds here in the tournament this weekend. I, I think we're, we're talking about how important every single win is, not just for the Power Five conference teams, but for teams like a UNT or even a UNC. This could be the difference maker on their resume come May, whenever it's Selection Sunday, that they make the tournament or they don't. So all of these little upsets that we're calling them are so critical for a team's entire like entire season to make it to the postseason, not just right now. I believe we call that the body of work. All yes. that's beautiful. <laughs> body of Work. Full body of Full work. body. <laughs> uh, quick Clemson update for you. They got their first wins. Uh, they beat St. John's twice. And now the big story this week is they're heading back home to the uh, Clemson softball stadium for their home opener, which is S-R-O. Standing room only. Uh, sold out at Clemson. So congratulations to them. Looking forward to a lot of things to come. Let's move into our, um, uh, fittingly, our uh, 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 number four spot in the lineup. Uh, and that belongs to relish the moment Miranda Ellish and let's talk about some of the top performers of the week Miranda not only went 2-0 and in the circle uh, for the Longhorns but also hit four home runs and had 17 RBI in six games they were all run rule wins uh, she leads our uh, cavalcade of top <laughs> performers this week you guys Miranda Ellish is a fierce competitor she wants to have the bat in her hands in the big moments. She wants the ball in her hands and the tight games with the bases loaded. She wants to come up with a big pitch. The way that she has rebounded from her injury in Super Regionals against Alabama is remarkable mm-hmm. because she has not let it phase her so far up to this point at all. She came out game one, guns blazing in the circle up at the plate. And it is commendable, the role model that she is, I think, as an athlete and as a competitor for young girls to look up to. And I can't wait to see if she continues this because she's an early runner for national player of the year mm-hmm. if she continues this up. Well, yeah. she's fierce. When you see her in the circle, she has this look that, I mean, I don't know if anyone's been as intimidating since Danielle Laurie was in the circle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she has this look about her and she is super fit. I, I just admire her presence, her persona, and her persistence. I think she's unbelievable. It's her mentality. She is always in attack mode, whether or not she's in the circle or in the box. She just has that mindset that she is going to dominate, and she does that. And that really was the question. I wondered if she was going to have any scars uh, from you know the broken bones, from everything, from being hit in the face. And, Remind people what happened. Yeah, well, she she got hit in the face by her catcher. Her catcher threw the ball back um, like she was throwing down to second That's base, it. and it hit Miranda in the face. In the supers, in the year, super right? regionals, yeah, in a really key key time. And so obviously her season was done. I, I'm just impressed with the way she's come back after the surgeries, after everything, and she's in that circle. And she's lights out, and she had run support Texas with 78 runs. Uh, some others of note. We talked, we mentioned Maya Brady at UCLA hit 500 with four home runs. Kirsten Landers at Florida State that, you know, they had some big holes to fill. So they've got some new players stepping up. She hit over 500, drove in seven runs. Big uh, transfer to Arizona. Mariah Lopez went three and oh this week. Riley Trilicek, does she have next in the Florida circle uh, with the um, departure of Kelly Barnhill? She had a no hitter against Georgia State. Taylor Pleasance 
newcomer at LSU with a walk-off home run uh, to beat Oklahoma State. Sorry, Smitty. But, hey, good news for <laughs> Oklahoma State, too. They had a no-hitter. They had a no-hitter this week. So um, what else we got? Uh, Brooke Yanez yes. at Oregon coming from UC Davis. She's a transfer. She's a junior for them, adding to the depth of the pitching staff for Oregon. She went 3-0, and pitched 14 innings, had 25 strikeouts, and an undefeated Oregon weekend where they went 5-0. and So major shout-out to Brooke Yanez. Again, I'm so interested to see if a mid-major pitcher can come and take that step up and keep this up throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the season. I have one question for you, Florida. What, what did we think of how Florida got out of the gate a little bit? Um, you know, not, I don't know, lost to Michigan. I just wanted your thoughts. Including a home run over uh, Team USA this weekend. Yeah, I, I think for Florida, they're going to have to find their identity. Who who are they now that yeah. Barnhill's yeah. gone and Lorenz is gone? So true. Um, and, and I think it takes a little time. You don't find that out in one weekend. So I think this is a young team. Tim Walton always does a great job of getting the most out of his ball players and how they start more than likely will not be how they finish. And so I think it might be a little bumpy here at the beginning and, and getting their toes mm-hmm. wet with, with freshmen, underclassmen in big positions. They're trying to fill roles uh, that, that were left open by Barnhill and, and Lorenz. But I think this is a very talented team and I'm impressed. And yeah, they played really well against Team USA, a five to three loss in front of a sellout crowd. Yeah. We'll find out a lot right ne- next week. So we, uh, we're, we're in uh, St. Pete Clearwater this week. Next week and the week after will be the Mary Nutter and Florida will be out there in, in uh, Southern California and they will have some tough challenges out there. We'll, fi- we'll find out. Um, just so many things to talk about. I don't even know what I want to say right now. I think Florida will have a few ups and downs in February and March, but I, I do think by April and May, they're going to have some consistency because I think mm-hmm. that their pitchers are really going to grow. Um, I wanted to, to give a shout out to Shay O'Leary, who is the yeah. number two pitcher behind Miranda Ellish, because I think last year Ellish started out a little bit slow in her junior season at Texas in the circle. And I think a little bit had to do with transferring, a little bit had to do with the unknown of the pitchers back behind her. But with the way that Shay O'Leary presented herself as a freshman in the circle for Texas, took a lot of innings and has really grown this year, I think that's going to give Miranda Ellish more confidence in the circle to know that Shay O'Leary for sure has her back and is only going to make her better. Uh, last thing, let me uh, just clean up Oklahoma State. I don't want to sell Kelly Maxwell short. It was not a no-hitter. Yeah. It was a perfect, perfect game, game. Yeah. Um, oh, against FAMU. So shout out to you, Kelly. Uh, uh, Kendra Hackbarth, another uh, player out there at Arizona State who had a walk-off home run. But let's uh, – uh, are we in agreement? I, I think we're going to start the uh, seven innings player of the week. Ooh, let's uh, do it. Something new this year. Are we are we relishing the moment? Yeah, on, I'm on relishing. That? Yeah. All right. yep. Miranda is our initial yes. uh, winner of the uh, seven innings player of the week. And and with both Ellish and you mentioned Shea O'Leary, let's move on to uh, our Big 12 roundup. And a little deeper dive into what it's going to take to try and knock Oklahoma off the perch. Eight straight uh, Big 12 championships. But I don't know if there's been a stronger or a deeper Big 12 uh, over the last eight years with um, an improved, which could be an improved Oklahoma State team, certainly their pitching staff, with what Texas is showing. We're going to see Texas Tech and Kansas here at the tournament this week in St. Pete Clearwater. So I thought Oklahoma had an important contribution this weekend. So Patty Gasso told us last week, we're going to see more of Shannon Sale. And mm-hmm. and she did. She is an all-conference performer in the opening weekend. Um, she tossed 14 innings, giving up two hits and punched out 24 strikeouts for the Sooners. So I think that's important as a compliment to G. Juarez. And as G. Juarez rounds into shape, kind of coming back from an injury situation last year. And um, I think Kinsey Hansen, their freshman, 
Patty Gasso said, watch out. She's going to be something special. And she was. All she did in her first year or her first competition in Division One softball, she hit 533. So, <laughs> you know, no biggie. Eight RBI, pair of doubles. Kinsey Hansen, a, a Kinsey K, special K to know. Oh, nice. And I think, is she playing first base? So she's the new Shay Knighton? Uh, I don't know if we can, uh, you know, I think they're moving people around, yeah. but, and we, and we want to be careful. I, I don't want to, uh, have anybody fill in any of those shoes. We'll, we'll let those seniors have their, uh, that, that went off into the, uh, into the sunset with their amazing careers. We, we won't fill any of those shoes just yet. Uh, but back to the other teams in the Big 12 too and what they, they're going to have to do to knock them off. Well, that's what it comes down to, right? Is beating Oklahoma. Um, and, to beat Oklahoma, you have to go punch for punch with them in the circle, mm-hmm. at the plate, defensively. You have to be flawless. And I think the biggest thing as a team that you have to do when you're facing them is have a couple different looks in the circle, which Texas does, Oklahoma State, starting to find those couple of different looks that they can rely on. But you have to fight. And I know that that sounds just very cliche. Of course, you want to fight in a competition, but you they're going to score runs. They're going to be relentless. Patty Gasso has proven that that's how her team plays, and that's how her program has developed. So a team like Texas has to have that culture, that fight, that belief in each other. And same thing with Oklahoma State. Those are the teams to me that have the best chance to take down Oklahoma because they have that fight and that competitiveness that it really takes to beat a team like Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's a belief system before the the conference play Mm -hmm. series even starts. And then you can't be happy if you beat them one time because you can still lose the series. You have to go out and believe that you will beat them in the series and beat them every pitch of every inning of every game. And and that's what it takes, not just to win a series against Oklahoma, but to win a national yeah, championship. They don't, they're not going to give anything away. No. We've got a huge, we've got Oklahoma, Texas on our air this year and a huge uh, uh, bedlam finale. I believe the first weekend uh, in May when Oklahoma goes to Stillwater. So we will have that uh, coverage for you on the ESPN networks. Moving on now, team USA is with us uh, this week. We've, uh, gotten a, a decent sample under our belt, seven and zero as they come in for a couple of games here. We, we've seen great things from Monica Abbott. I got, I think, thirty four strikeouts in fifteen innings. She seems to be already up to speed. Some others on the pitching staff, I, I think, are still kind of um, working their way into tip top shape. We've seen a lot of different arms. We've seen some people hitting for average. We have not seen a ton of power yet from Team USA. Well, I think. It's important for people to remember that the international game is significantly, not just a little bit, but significantly different than the college game. Mainly the ball. We use a Mizuno ball in international play. It has a different, it's called a COR or core, coefficient of restitution. What that means is that's the bounciness of the ball. So I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my gear head. I'm in my gear head. Say that slower to me. Like, say Co- it's called coefficient of restitution, which basically means it's the bounciness of a ball. And so a, Mizuno ball for international play has a lower core, which means it's not as bouncy. The collegiate ball flies off the bats. That's why we see so many home runs. International ball, we have a 220-foot fence with a less bouncy ball, so it takes a lot more power to get out of the park. Valeriota is going to be the power hitter for Team USA. Yes, they haven't really stepped up and had a lot of home runs, but we do know that there are a lot of athletes on that team that can hit the ball out of the park. I'm not as much worried about their power right now. I'm worried more about their power in June and July when the Olympics are right around the corner. So let me ask you this. Yeah. The, the pitching that they're facing on this stand beside her tour, you know, they're facing collegiate aces. Correct. How does that compare to the pitching that they will face in the Olympics? Uh, 
it's good. It's, it's good. The, the international game, obviously Gabby Plain is going to be on Australia. So that's the level of pitchers that they're going to have. Uh, Japan has Yukiko Ueno, who throws the ball 70 plus miles an hour and a devastating changeup. Uh, you know, the talent in international ball is there. The difference is they don't make mistakes. Collegiate players walk too many hitters. You know, when we're speaking from an international perspective, general, yeah. general is that they walk too many players. Um, they throw too many pitches through the zone that will get crushed. So the, the level, the velocity, a lot of that stuff can be very similar, but it's ability to work in and out of situations, the ability to work with the team behind them, ability to not make mistakes in a really big Olympic moment. All those things are what's going to matter. But this tour is absolutely going to help Team USA. And remember, they haven't been training together all fall like all these college teams yeah. have in all January. They only got together last week. So they're a little bit rusty right now. And this is typically how they start. They start a little bit slow. People are moving in and out. Um, and they're building up to where they really want to be. But that's July. why they're doing this tour yes, is absolutely. to face good competition together and get some chemistry. This is a way better tour than what we had in the 96 Olympics and 2000 Olympics when we toured, but we also played, we played, we faced high school pitchers. We faced different levels of pitchers that weren't getting us ready yeah. for elite competition. She's not quite as good a name dropper as Holly Rowe, so we'll drop her name. That is Michelle Smith, folks, a uh, former Olympian who was on a college tour and has uh, many gold medals uh, somewhere in a lockbox or do you have them at the house? I don't want to, uh, you know, divulge too much information. <laughs> they're, they're in my office at my house. <laughs> Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, and Amanda Scarborough. Go ahead, Amanda. Yeah, I, I think it's so cool in the stand behind her tour that a lot of these athletes are getting to play their alma maters. So yeah. Team USA just played Florida and Aubrey Monroe, Michelle Moultrie, Kelsey Stewart. They were there getting to be on the same field that they played on playing their alma mater team. So it causes um, a lot of people to come out, a lot of excitement, a lot of nostalgia for the, for the players that are on Team USA to go and compete against them. Um, and also Team USA just played Texas State. And so Kat Osterman mm-hmm. got to pitch against a team that she for several years has been coaching and yeah. even had a uh, Haley McKay had a home run off of her. So I do believe that stung just a little bit for Texas State. But it's just really cool, these matchups that people get to go out and watch. And it's really great for the college players, too, to say they got to play Team USA. Right. And I love it. It's a homecoming. So Haley McClenney will go home and play at Alabama. You know, Monica Abbott playing at Tennessee. That's just going to be special for those fans to see these legendary names in their program. On those fields again. So memorable. They're here with us uh, this weekend, and then uh, they are off to Arizona, um, and then Southern California, the Nutter, Irvine, San Diego, and then they'll swing up to Seattle and Oregon, and then we will have them for you late March, early April uh, with um, Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee. Those games will be televised on ESPN. Hey, we've still got shagging stats and sprinkle the infield, but let's take a moment now and bring it back to the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Catching up with Bev Smith and the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks before uh, their appearance at the uh, Clearwater St. Pete Elite Invitational. Got a couple of TV games coming up uh, with Virginia Tech and Washington on ESPNU and the other games, of course, you can uh, you can get on your ESPN app. Uh, with Holly Rowe also joining us. Tell us a little bit about how um, excited you are and, and the whole program is for the upcoming season. Well, it's drilling for me to be in this tournament, and I keep saying that the fact that softball is on TV in February is fantastic. So we're excited to be coming to the tournament and playing some great competition. You guys already returned some 
key players from last year's team. Kayla Drotar now tied for eighth in career home runs with 21. Tell us what you're expecting from some of your key returners. Well, we, we had a great opening weekend at home. Uh, you got to see Kayla Drotar and Kelsey O on the mound, I think, uh, for a one-two punch in the circle. They look, they look really good for us. Uh, we have Mackenzie Bolzel and Kenzie McGuire in the middle, and they're always exciting. They've both been four-year starters for us. And then Jana Johns at third base had a big, had a big weekend, so I expect uh, for you guys to keep your eye on her for the tournament. I'm trying to come up with a cute nickname for Mackenzie and Kenzie up the middle, like K-squared or K-something, like K-2, special like Special K. K. Special K, Special K. Do we approve that, Coach? <laughs> approved, approved. I tell you, they've been, they've been fun to watch and to have four-year starters in that position. I'm already thinking about next year and, w- and what that's going to be like Don't without them. <laughs> no, enjoy today. I'm going to enjoy the time while I have them, but they both have been very special players to the program. Yeah. One of the things that we love about softball, not, not only that it's on TV this early in the season, but that you guys challenge each other all the time with um, big-time matchups, ranked opponents all over the schedule. What do you look for this time of year um, in, in terms of these challenges for your players to get them ready for uh, you know the SEC and then the NCAA? But I agree. I think it's important uh, how how we schedule. We're we're always trying to make sure we're in the the top sixteen RPI, and uh, and I think for us in the non conference schedule, it's important to be challenged, be on the road, so we're prepared for the you know, our ultra competitive SEC schedule. So I think it's always good good challenges preseason. One of the things I've been really impressed with across the landscape of softball, we saw LSU just build a new facility for their indoor stuff. Ray Tanner has built you this great, gorgeous ballpark that you are in in, in South Carolina, Columbia. Um, where is the money and the dedication to this sport leading us? It's very exciting. I think it's very exciting. So not only do we have the, the beautiful facility that we um, built in 2013, but we just added the video board. So it's not just that they give it to you once, but the administration continues to improve the enhanced and uh, so we're really proud of, of our of our new video board this season. We really love Ray Tanner, your AD. And why we're saying that is he's sitting right behind us. So, Ray, we love you. Shout out. Extension, extension for the contract. We can talk about contract negotiations. And- okay, good. We, we want to extend Bev Smith, not that we're bossing you around or anything. No pressure. What are um, what, what are some of the adjustments that, that coaching staffs now have to make? You, you We have the Olympics back. The, the big dreamers are, are all around us. We have the transfer portal is such a huge part of softball now. And, of course, um, you know, with all the recruiting services and so much more information out there, it's hard to find those diamonds in the rough. So what, as a coaching staff, do you guys continually have to do to stay ahead of the game? Well, I think for us the important part is finding the right fit. Um, you know, there's so many good athletes. There's, they've trained for so long. The technology's out there. Players these days are all equipped, so I think the key is really finding the talented player that fits your philosophy as a coach, your program. You know, we look for players who are excited about being Gamecocks and um, and just bring them into a culture that's that's fun and they they're passionate about playing the game. I think when they come here, they see that. They're going to have all their games on on television. You get the opportunity to be on ESPN, and then play in what I think is the toughest conference in the in the country. I know that you you talk about um, you know coming in and having this culture. I always follow you on social media through the off season that you're doing team building and culture building things. What was something fun you did with this group to really lock in and be team building this year? Well, I just I think it's an important part of really getting the the team to buy in and play together and. Um, understand each other's personality and, and how we're going to work together as a group. But this year we went to uh, to North Carolina 
uh, to a place called uh, Big League Camp, and we were able to practice at their facility. But then you just do a lot of outdoor activities and things that really make them uncomfortable. So we did, they had to go fishing. They had to dig for their own bait. They um, they shot, they climbed a tree and shot fake deer. <laughs> just the things that they normally haven't done, it takes them outside their comfort zone. So it's a great spot to learn and teach from and grow as a team. I love that. Warm on a hook, definitely uncomfortable from my uh, perspective. <laughs> yeah. If you need the video of me shooting the deer, I have it. Okay. Yeah, you, I was two um, out of three, just for the record. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> we know you have dead eye aim. Of course uh, you do. Thank you so much, Beth, for your time. Uh, and uh, the Gamecocks open up in uh, the Clearwater St. Peter Lead Invitational Texas Tech on the SEC Network. Good to hear from Bev Smith. Good to see them. We uh, we had a chance to see Bev and, of course, Champ, uh, the uh, Wonder Dog uh, that is a part of uh, South Carolina Athletics. But what a what a feel to their games. AD is there a tenor? I mean, it, it was an event for them uh, be, to be able to play at home, and now they come here. It's a beautiful ballpark. That whole facility is unbelievable. And then they've added a big scoreboard. Um, you know, you guys know for many years I've had an obsession with Kayla Drotar, their little itty bitty pitcher <laughs> that has the heart of a lion. So to see her back in this in the circle, that was really exciting. And they uh, they had a chance to end the weekend with an extra innings walk off. So good to um, the Gamecocks as they come to town. This week on Shaggin' Stats, time now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had to do it live for just a minute. I don't know if I have Wait, my that, shagging voice. Is that your sexy voice? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. No. No. Beth, my sexy voice. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> shagging stats. Let's go. What you got? You, I'll start things off for us. How about a shout out to FAMU coach Veronica Wiggins? The stat for her is 29 years. Dedicated to the game, she's retiring at the end of the season. Over 700 wins, 12 conference titles, nine trips to the NCAA tournament, and perhaps just important, her work around the state of Florida to help grow the game and move it from slow pitch to fast pitch. And, of course, we've seen what has happened around the state with the explosion of young talent that has also helped several collegiate teams win national champions. Okay, well, um, because it's just the four of us, I think I'm just going to do two stats really quick um, and just take a little time here. Um, first of all, Beth, you had mentioned Kelly Maxwell for Oklahoma State throwing that perfect game. Kelly Maxwell is the first pitcher in Big 12 history to throw a perfect game and her first start. Ooh, so wow. really impressive by that. Then my second one, I just really felt like there were a lot of uh, players that hit multiple home runs this past weekend and opening weekend. Just left and right, I was hearing three home runs, four home runs. So here's the stat with that. 33 players have already had a game where they hit two home runs in that one game. 33 wow. players. Thanks Lola. to Jonathan McDonald Lola. for helping me Thanks, out find that stat. Yes, um, but just the ball was flying out of the park and and, and players are hitting multiple home runs, not just in a weekend, but in a game. So I think this is interesting that on our shagging stats that both Amanda and I are going to talk about home runs as hitting pitchers. <laughs> We're unicorns, so I, I guess that's legal. We're converting you. Um, Very legal. And I'm stealing a little bit of this from Amanda, so I appreciate the help. She is uh, now Missouri. reading, ladies and gentlemen, reading out of Amanda Scarborough's notebook. This is a podcast. You don't have to visualize that for them. Okay. All right. So nine home runs is what Missouri hit in their first weekend at the NFCA Classic, that uh, leadoff Classic. That's outstanding. 
But I also want to talk about Jesse Harper, two home runs. She's now at 27 away from tying Lauren Chamberlain, Mm -hmm. her 28th would take the lead. She and uh, APC, by the way, are the two leaders in active home runs. How about that? On the same team, they are the top top two home run hitters currently playing. Okay, so my shagging stat, work with me here. Um, (laughs) Work with me. Tom Brady won six Super Bowls. Yes. And did you know that his niece, Maya Brady, hit 500 in her debut as a college softball player for the UCLA Bruins, yes, Maya is Tom Brady's niece. We're only going to say that. I'm going to say only 50 times I'm this gonna, season. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to show. Because I want to showcase her for who yeah. she is and what she's good at, and she is good at a lot. And nine, a mom. Nine RBI, nine RBI, four home runs, six games, hit 500, second leading hitter on the UCLA Bruins team. What a debut for Maya Brady, making a name for herself. And I'm cheating as well to do a second shag and stat because Lonnie Alameda, 700th career win. She is just one of the greats of our game. We love Lonnie Alameda. Congratulations. That was shag and stats. That leads us perfectly into uh, sprinkle the infield. That, that's when we just we you know buy a round of drinks for the whole table. And, so every and enjoy time you say together. every time you say sprinkle the infield, I think of people peeing on the infield. What? Like I don't think oh, that's no. the right thing to say. Oh, right. Right. That's, oh, the, that's oh, the grounds right. crew spraying. Yeah. The I just imagine like puppies, oh, puppies running out on the infield. Oh, okay, that would be tinkle the infield, tinkle the not infield. sprinkle <laughs> the infield. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I just okay, go ahead. Sorry. And now I'm supposed to lead into UCLA raising its championship banner this week? Is that, <laughs> that is not the segue that I was hoping for, uh, for the Bruin bubble, but let me just pause a minute and we'll, uh, other news as we sprinkle the infield and, and share our thoughts about things happening around college softball. UCLA did enjoy a, a hot start to the season with also a, a wonderful reflection back to winning their national championship. That would be, uh, that would be 12 NCAA banners, I believe, and one AIAW banner. They're going to run out of room on the on the fence out there um, at Easton Stadium. Um, anything else that we got? Uh, what else we got? Yeah, so freshman Taylor Pleasance for LSU uh-huh. had a tremendous opening uh-huh. weekend, and she hits from the left-hand side. And remember, they just graduated Amanda Sanchez last year from LSU, had a sweet left-handed power swing. When I saw Taylor Pleasance swing, it is like an identical swing to the sweet Sanchez swing. And oh. it's like, I can't get it out of my head. I keep thinking about it, that they look so much alike. So I can't wait for in one of our games to do a side-by-side comparison of that. Well, and the other thing that I love about Teller Pleasance is she's a shortstop, a six-foot-tall shortstop <laughs> yeah. with great range, just a all-around all-around mm-hmm. all athlete. Yes, I mean, she, but her swing is beautiful. And you'll like this. I, I think that there's going to be this year a resurgence of the hitting pitcher. I have a couple of written down. For Kentucky, Autumn Humes, Grace Ballman, and then oh, yeah. also their pitcher Spangler all got at bats. Even Autumn Hughes had a walk-off grand slam. UCLA, Megan Framo is getting a B's. Miranda Ellish, Courtney Day, and also Grace Green, pitchers for Texas, they got in. Mackenzie Herzog at AM. Sarah Cornell had an at-bat. And then also Kelly Lynch at Washington and Shelby Sinceri. So this list, I think, is going to grow more this year than ever, and I really think we're going to see, Michelle, I know you're going to love it, a resurgence of the hitting pitcher. Megan Ferremo. It's tough. I know. Okay. Oh my God. Ferremo. Okay. Um, that that kind of started, I thought we saw some of that last year, you know, I think with Megan King and Ellis, like we had all these really big, strong 
pitchers that are in great shape. Um, I, I just saw kind of like more of a commitment to fitness from pitchers and they're doing it two different ways in the circle and in the box. I, I think we're starting to see that trend come back. Um, one of the things that we, we love about this podcast and about the sport is, is that we're all one big happy family. So we do want to, um, express our condolences, um, to uh, our friends at South Carolina Union. They, they lost a couple of, uh, softball players, uh, killed in a car accident this week. So Mia Stokes and, and Grace Revels, um, we, um, we will miss you dearly. And uh, we hope that uh, the best way that we can remember you is to celebrate your passion and your love for the game uh, with a wonderful uh, tournament this weekend. And uh, we'll be thinking about you throughout the season. Uh, we certainly hope that uh, you all have enjoyed our podcast, Seven Innings Podcast. We're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarborough, Holly Rowe. I'm Beth Mowens. J-Mac and Buzz Lightyear are wonderful guys uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, uh, Smitty's uh, rendition of Aretha Franklin um, <laughs> and uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, talking UCLA lefties with Scarborough, um, Holly Rowe, Tinkling and Sprinkling, and uh, our first ever seven innings uh, player of the week, uh, Relish the Moment, Miranda Ellish. We will see you uh, maybe at the beer garden, but definitely, <laughs> definitely on the air all weekend long. Our coverage uh, begins on television on EU at 1 o'clock Thursday, and all weekend long our coverage on your ESPN app starts Thursday at 9.30 a.m. 